Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where old is new again. Maybe I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host Beige. I'm just old. You're. I wasn't going to say that. Uh, today we're talking about <laughs> games. I mean, we talk about games a lot, but so how do I even describe this topic? It's kind of like new games from old games, and I've I've been thinking about it because I've been playing specific games. Um, and maybe I can get into that for examples, but like, how how would you describe what we're about to talk about? Like, it's one where when you when you told me what it was uh, when we were talking about it over text, it was like, yeah, that's a really good idea. And the more I thought about it, I don't know how to talk how to really uh, you know title it. Where it's like when one game takes an element from another game, like stealing an idea, is really the way that I've thought about it so far. Where uh, like your your you one of your examples here is a Valorant, where it basically steals from Counter Strike and overwatch yeah and i mean that's kind of the main thing that got me thinking about this topic right it's like what do you do or like how does it even happen and like is it good is it bad is it just something where like new games kind of beg borrow and steal from old games right um yeah and that's always happened but it's interesting that it seems like more recently we're starting to get things that are like a throwback that's almost like a one-to-one towards an old game you know instead of being this natural evolution of a genre or like um this iterative next step because that's always happening in games like that's nothing new that's to be expected right i mean even just look at the different entries in any series like halo like halo 1 to halo 2 to halo 3 you see the evolution of a first person shooter right um yep. that kind of thing applies across all genres but the thing that i've been noticing more recently is like games that are not iterated on or that have been forgotten about by the general population or that the original creators are not making new versions of or making new entries in the series or things like that right so valorant was the one that really kicked us off in my mind because i've been playing a bunch of valorant and i used to play a lot of counter-strike um, and this was like way before the podcast this is probably when i was somewhere in the 14 to 17 range and i don't remember mm. which exact years um but it was probably end of middle school into high school and there were there's probably a good two years in there where counter-strike was like my main game and i played oh. with the same gaming group all the time it was like a bunch of you know middle school and high school friends and i got really really good at it and all of us did um and it's it, it was interesting because it's like i knew that game so well for a very like compressed period of time in my life um whereas multiple years is a long period of time but like now i'm in my 30s and i'm looking back like that was a half a lifetime ago at this point and yeah valorant comes out and valorant is if you guys haven't seen it yet it's it's a new game from riot which is the same people the same developers who made league of legends and it is essentially counter-strike um, it is Counter-Strike with, like, Overwatch-style superpowers bolted onto it, but it is so much more Counter-Strike than it is Overwatch. Um, the Counter-Strike DNA runs, like, heavy in this game. And it just, it, as soon as I played it, the very first match, it took me right back to my Counter-Strike days. And, man, I just don't have the reflexes <laughs> I used to. It was one of the things I noticed, too. And I'm assuming that based on that, because I never actually played much Counter-Strike at all, all like just a couple of matches here and there like that was not my thing and it, it came out at the time where that was absolutely not something that uh, interested me so I really did just miss that that and so 
is it like because it's more twitchy than Overwatch that it's more uh, more more reliant on speed and reflexes and uh, accuracy than like Overwatch is for like team objectives? Yes. Oh, very much so. Um, okay. It's all about. I don't want to say it's all about accuracy. Um, accuracy accuracy plays a huge part of it, but it's much more about sight lines and positioning and positional awareness and knowing what's going on around you and being able to like react to that so reaction time plays a part but even how do i say it it it, there's there's a okay so if i'm playing overwatch and i take the headphones off and i'm not listening to the computer audio and i'm listening to an audiobook or like a podcast or music or something Mm -hmm. i will essentially do the same amount of like good or bad whatever my skill level is at overwatch um whether I do one audio or the other. If right. I'm playing Valorant, just like if I were playing Counter-Strike, if I take the headphones off, I lose like 75% of my skill at that game because so much of it is situational awareness that is spurred by like the audio around you. Oh, and, wow. And See, that that doesn't sound appealing to me because I've never had that Counter-Strike uh, experience where I got so into it and learned how that in, like enhances the game. Oh, yeah, and it absolutely does. Um, But it's interesting, right? Because I I like Valorant. It's a cool game. Um, I don't know how much I'm going to stick with it just because, like, I'm not who I was at 16. None of us are once you're in your 30s, Um, even once you're in your 20s, but whatever. Um, It's just, like, I don't have the group anymore, and I don't have the reflexes, and I don't have the time to devote to multiplayer games, which anyone who's listened to this podcast for the last five seasons knows that, I can really, really like a multiplayer game, but at most it's going to last like two months before I kind of fade out with it and then move on to the next single player game because single player games are kind of what I latch on to these days. And that's fine because right now I'm having fun with Valorant. Um, But it's interesting because Counter-Strike has been there this whole time. Like it's still a game. It's owned by Valve. It's a fantastic game. They're just not like rapidly iterating on it. They're not massively improving it. You know, like if you look back at Counter-Strike or Counter-Strike Global Offensive, it's like they don't change that much or that often. So it leaves room for these other developers to come in and make a game that's extremely like those games with a, a little bit of a twist on it. And it feels like something brand new because the original developer just like left it there. And I think that's really where, like, the the nugget, like, that that really kind of essential idea that you have is, it's when something has, like, been abandoned, at something good that you're not getting to see anymore yes. is, really the, uh, is really the crux of it. And I hate to say it like that, but really that, that core idea is that, yeah, we'll see things in series that are iterating on each other. Like you said, with Halo and, like, uh, one of our examples here uh, is the Dragon Quest series, where I think it's a lot like Halo in that when you're playing it you're absolutely playing a dragon quest game that there is no doubt like halo you're like yep this is halo this is what this game is but the later versions have iterated on those features to make them better but you're used to seeing those features where uh, like valorant takes counter-strike which is something we haven't seen a lot lately like we haven't had an online shooter that actually feels like counter-strike in a very long time 
So well, it's kind of got that Counter-Strike skeleton, that DNA in it, and then brings it back. It Jurassic Parks them. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. It totally does. Well, and one of the other things I noticed, or what I was thinking about, was like Final Fantasy, right? Because I love right. Final Fantasy. Anyone who listens to this regularly knows I love Final Fantasy. Um, Final Fantasy is always trying to do new things, right? And sometimes that that's iterating on the past, but also they'll like drop entire concepts and never come back to them. And if you look at it, they, they almost left themselves um, <laughs> this nugget for the future where Final Fantasy V is still held up as one of the most amazing job systems in JRPGs ever. And then they yep. didn't do anything with it. Not really. And they did however many other Final Fantasies. They're on 15 now. Uh, 16, I'm sure, is in development somewhere. But it left room for them to come back to their own game and make it into a new game series called Bravely Default. <laughs> and yep pick up this old torch that they had just dropped because they hadn't done anything with it nobody else had and it left this hole in the market and when bravely default came out it did really well because there was this built-up demand for it because they just weren't making games like that anymore and i remember hearing about it when we started this podcast and i remember you or somebody telling me that it was the best final fantasy game i'd never played i probably was the first said that, bravely yeah. default and it it's true it absolutely is that's the way i describe it to people where when somebody asks me what my final fantasy what my favorite final fantasy is i usually preface it by saying well if we're talking you know uh you know, actually titled Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy Nine, but it's like if we're going, you know, overall, like just a Final Fantasy game, Bravely Default's up there. It's like it is a Final Fantasy game, regardless from crystals to job system, everything. They actually literally just changed the name of it during development from the Final Fantasy Four Heroes of Light. Yeah, like it's well, so good, but it takes that same idea that they never touched on again. And we pulled a bunch of examples here, which was interesting. This was almost like uh, just a mentally challenging activity to and where do you draw that line, right? Like right. between is it an homage or is it a ripoff or is it establishing a new genre or is it an ongoing series? But I think you came up with a bunch of really solid ones in here. Um, the other one that came to mind for me was Dota because like right. Defense of the Ancients was a Warcraft 3 mod that just nothing happened with it except it was super popular for a long time. And then Riot, actually the same people who did Valorant, so maybe this is part of their core business model, they came out with League of Legends and it exploded. Um, and then eventually Valve bought the rights to Dota and made Dota 2. And now there's a bunch of these multiplayer online battle arenas, right? The MOBAs. But that whole mm -hmm. genre came from that one Warcraft 3 mod. And it took a long time for that to become a genre and get built out into a bunch of games. For a long time, it was just this idea that a lot of people loved, but it wasn't, nothing was being done with it. And that's something that I hadn't thought about through all of this. Like you're talking and you're talking about Dota and it coming from a Warcraft 3 mod. And, you know, they they made the new game out of it. They eventually moved everything aside, like you said. But that's the same thing that happened with Counter-Strike. It was a Half-Life 2 mod where they uh, Counter-Strike wasn't its own game. It came out as a mod first and then established its own basically new genre. I want to say like the, the online deathmatch changed because of Counter-Strike. It wasn't a new genre but it was definitely the precursor to everything that we play online now and the same thing happened with player unknowns battlegrounds we didn't have battle royale really before it and then fortnite came and you know either iterated or improved or stole or however you want to look at it uh what PUBG did and so a lot of times that and that was a mod for something wasn't it or was it just super indie 
There was, uh, so that one was like the standalone client, but before that, the same guy had made, which I'm going to blank on his name right now, but he had made a mod for, I think it was one of like the Arma games or one of those really intense like military sim shooters. That's where, what I'm thinking of, yeah. yeah. And that is basically where he refined the ideas for it, and then PUBG was the first standalone client for it. So it came basically from like iterated from a mod and it's like the the these are new genres we hadn't seen before that came from mods but a lot of times we'll see these ideas uh and new like gameplay elements like where uh Valorant takes the Overwatch style superpowers and does something with it they use like I take ideas from existing genres and put them in where I thought Overwatch kind of pulled those uh powers from BioShock which pulled them from System Shock yeah, there's definitely lineages here, right? Like, you, yeah. you pulled out World of Warcraft, which is a great call-out. It's basically EverQuest. Like, yep. they, they took EverQuest, and they smoothed all the edges, and they refined it, and they made it better, and it it worked. I mean, it obviously worked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, luckily, both games are still going. Like, I'm really happy that both EverQuest and EverQuest 2 are still going and World of Warcraft is still running uh, because it took what EverQuest did, polished it up, and it made it a better, user, more user-friendly experience. And that's what we had talked about in the Overwatch episode when it first came out, like, goodness gracious, years ago. Uh, Y'all should go back and listen to that one. It's early, way, way, way back in our archives. But we talked about that's what blizzard does is blizzard doesn't necessarily take a anything and come up with any genres on their own they take what other people have created and basically make the best version of it like they did that with overwatch with basically every kind of shooter ever from like soldier 76 and the call of duty kind of uh playing uh kind of gameplay to uh I don't even I can't think of tribes with Farah and just all the other like characters play like a particular kind of game, but it was put together in one like yeah. Blizzard does that a lot. Well, and you pulled out a couple you pulled out a great like a great list in here. There's Mega Man, I think is a good call out, right? Because it's like they did so many Mega game Mega Man games and Mega Man X games so rapidly and then they just stopped and it's like they yep. turned off the faucet and then people are like. You know, for a while, it's like, well, yeah, Mega Man was overdone. But now it's like, where's where's my Mega Man fix? Like, I really only like Mega Man X. Like, I was never a fan of the original Mega Man. Okay. Um, and there are no new Mega Man X games. Like, I would love to see what a modern Mega Man X game looks like and what kind of, like, just quality of life and convenience and improvements they could do to make that game. Um, you know, I don't want it to be exactly the same. I want somebody to take that idea and make it better. And that's kind of what we're talking about here is like taking this idea that's just laying there that no one's doing anything with and bringing it up to modern standards. I love when that happens. And we have some that have tried that with Mega Man. I mean, we thought at first that Mighty Number no. 9 was going to be that for Mega Man, and it was not. It was very not. Um, we have 20XX, which may be the closest to that. Like it is a Probably. roguelike that is uh, I, I don't I don't know if it's a roguelike or a road roguelite I don't I can never remember the difference but it's one of those kind of game that kind of gameplay with uh, uh, Mega Man X and then I mean you even have Shovel Knight basically being like old school Mega Man taking what the NES versions of Mega Man did but making them better for now 
Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. Like, in <laughs> you have Castlevania and Metroid in here. That's another good one. And that turning into, like, Bloodstained and Bloodstained Symphony of the Night. And it's almost like uh, that one in particular is somebody picking up their old creation and rebranding it because Capcom wasn't doing anything with it. But Konami? Um, is it Konami? No, you're right. You're right. Sorry. Yeah. I was thinking Capcom because we were taking, talking Mega, Mega Man. Man. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there, there are instances like that too, right? Where one creator has this vision and they iterate on it over their career, even as they take breaks or as they move from company to company. And you can see that influence carry with them. And they even did it within Bloodstained because like Symphony of the Night for the PlayStation 1 took Castlevania in a new direction uh, because it made it, it, it created the Metroidvania because of uh, it like taking gameplay from the Metroid series that at that point hadn't been doing anything for a while. And then, uh, then Bloodstained, whenever they did it, it went both ways. It split. It made, what is it, Circle of the Moon? Circle of the Night? Something. They made a one of their, their stretch goals for Bloodstained was making an NES version. So they took, they made the best NES Castlevania they could. And then Bloodstained, which I still haven't played, they made the iteration of Symphony of the Night. Um, so it's like they, they really wanted to revive that and take that DNA and make something better out of it and they went all in with the bloodstained games yeah so again this was just a concept kind of kicking around in my head and i want to talk it through so thanks for talking it through um to wrap up the thought what do you think do you do you like when games do this when like a new game comes out and it feels like an old one but brought up to modern standards like does that work for you it does. I actually would much prefer that than a remake of the old game. Like I, as much as I want a remake of Chrono Trigger in 3D and uh, or in a uh, like super HD sprites, all of that. Like I'm glad that games like Cosmic Star Heroine, I Am Setsuna, and Crosscode exist. Like I think that's better because you're getting more games to play than having the same story being told over and over again. And uh, so. So, like, I really like it when a series does this and that you have things like, well, I mean, Stardew Valley did it. They weren't making good Harvest Moon games anymore. He's like, fine, I'll make my own. And he that's what he did. And um, those kind of games, I think, tend to be more interesting than a developer, than a an intellect than an IP owner trying to revive a franchise and not putting the love into it. Because when somebody kind of revives the DNA like this, when they Jurassic Park a game, it's because they love it, not because they're trying to make money off of it. Yes. No, I, I completely agree. Like I love when it's done well, right? It needs right. that love. It needs that passion behind it. It has to have the execution and the polish behind it too, which I know everything I just said is a huge ask for a video game, but <laughs> but if it has that, there's something just like it, it's nostalgia plus something special, right? It's like yeah. it's not just the old thing. It's the old thing iterated on, modernized, made better. And with this passion that's like, oh, man, if I could have had that series from 10 years ago, what would I do with it? And then somebody does that. Um, and there's plenty of games, right? Like, I haven't gotten a new StarCraft since StarCraft Two came out in, like, 2010. Like, there's no RTS games in that genre that are new, that feel like something unique and inventive. Or Pokemon. Like, as much as Pokemon games keep coming out, they have not evolved. Like, somebody is overdue <laughs> to, to come... Ha, yeah, I didn't even mean that. Um, 
to come in and like redo Pokemon in a brand new way. It, but I mean, I could go on and on with examples, but I I guess I'll just say that like, I love it when it happens and it's done well. And there's that core like heart behind it in the effort. And I know that people who are listening right now are going to comment either on Slack, Discord, or Twitter and tell us about the Pokemon comment that there are there's Digimon, which is still coming out with really unique stuff like Cyber Sleuth, uh, which is apparently very, very good. And then there's like uh, Yokai Watch, which is uh, Pokemon, but it's different and so many people love it because of how different it is from Pokemon and then uh, there is Nexamon which is an indie version of Pokemon uh, that the uh, Nexamon Extinction should be coming out on Switch actually pretty soon uh, which is the same thing where it's like you know we don't like where that they're not doing anything new let's see what we can do on our own see if we can make take this concept and do it differently or better yeah yeah, it's, so it's awesome neat to, see. to see. I mean, we'll see as we come into this next generation of consoles, like what else shows up that we haven't seen in a while. And I'm I'm excited yeah. for that. Um, we typically take a break before we dive into Weekly Geekery to talk about the network and how to support the podcast. I usually gloss over it really quick, but BJ actually has updates this week, so I'll let him take it. Okay, so we have a Patreon. We've mentioned this a few times before in the past. Uh, so you can go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast and support the Patreon. Just today, as we're recording this, at least when you're listening to it, I have no idea. Uh, I posted a thread, made a post uh, asking patrons for show topics that they want to hear. Uh, and then I'm going to take those. I'm going to compile them. And uh, then I'm going to get patrons to vote and choose uh, on what we talk about. So we want to have a lot more feedback from y'all and knowing the kinds of things you want want us to talk about uh so uh we still have our giant documents of ideas and lists that we pull from but uh we're really wanting to get feedback from y'all and letting you really see where the show can go uh based on your opinions uh so we we have that up on patron on um, patreon uh so patrons can can throw those in the comment thread uh, i'll take those and then post a poll up next week um and then i've also updated some of the reward tiers uh check those out soon um i added a new tier and uh adjusted pricing on some so you should totally check that out uh i lowered our ad price to uh 25 an episode so if you would like to uh to put an ad and have us have a mid-roll episode uh ad for you just uh check that out um i've also adjusted and added in a ten dollar tier uh that has some uh, cool stuff i'm working on uh, fleshing that out so it's just we're wanting to to give you uh Val- as much value as we can uh so go check it out and let us know uh what you like and what you want to hear about at patreon.com slash geek to geekcast and i'll just chime in and say I would as much as it's cool when somebody comes in and like buys an ad or like, you know, does a big sponsorship for something, which we've had a couple of those. The thing that makes us really happy is like I would love to see just a ton of people sign up at like the one or two dollar level because then it's people that are like engaged and supportive. And it's almost just like this <laughs> show of uh, support. I mean, I guess that's the best way, right? Without committing huge amounts financially. Like I do this on almost all the Patreons that I subscribe to is like somewhere in that like two to $5 tier. That's kind of the sweet spot for me. So I love seeing people sign up for ours at that level because I know exactly what that feels like. It's like, Oh, I just want to give something back to this thing that I listen to all the time. Um, so yeah, that's the Patreon. Again, we won't dwell on it that much every week, but since there's updates, we wanted to tell you. Um, and then don't forget, around the network, we have podcasts, we have streamers, we have a Geekery blog, all that and more at geekgeekmedia.com. Um, with that, it's time for Weekly Geekery, where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. What have you been up to? 
so I actually finished Dragon Quest IV. Uh, finally, I finally got through with it. Um, I really ended up liking the game, but thinking that it's probably my least favorite of the Dragon Quest games. That I keep, I know that I am one of the very few people who think that, and it may be because I played it so uh, so sporadically and couldn't get into it. But it is, uh, it was fun. I'm glad that I got through it, and I've worked on some of the post game stuff. But I'm excited to move on now so I can feel like I've beaten it, I've experienced it, I can I have, I have opinions on it, but I'm glad to be done with it because I feel like uh, it was a it was a remake of an NES game and I don't feel like they did enough remaking as opposed to just porting with better graphics in a lot of places. And uh, that's that's not so great when you're going from the Nintendo Entertainment System to the Nintendo DS. Um I played Transistor for the first time. It was on sale on the Switch uh, eShop for three ninety nine. Uh, the RPG made by the folks who uh, who made Bastion. Have you played it? Yeah, Sword Boyfriend game. Yeah, yeah, you're your Sword Boyfriend. I'd never somehow I glossed over this. Like I'd seen it, never really paid any attention to it. For some reason, I looked at it. And I was like, that looks cool. So I watched the video, and I was like, oh my goodness, a cyberpunk action RPG, and my sword talks to me. And I was sold. Actually, the game was sold immediately. Uh, it was. It's been really neat. The the way the combat works is that you like store up turns and you can take a certain amount of actions on your like turn where it pauses the real world action uh, and then executes those actions that you choose then moves back into real time uh, while your freeze time updates well while you're time pausing refreshes and but you can still attack enemies during that time just not with the time frozen so it's super weird and interesting and i really want to dig further into it i just haven't yet like it's really interesting like did you beat it no i i didn't like it as much as i liked uh bastion when that mm. came out and they were very similar in tone i mean it's the same company um but it was it was okay uh i I know a lot of people that really love that game. They like it more than Bastion. I just fall on the other side of that. And I think I like it more than Bastion because Bastion's controls never quite hit with me. Like, I love the concept. I love the gameplay. But there was something always about the controls. Uh, it, with gamepad and on any system, I've tried it on PC or whatever else, just feels a little off. And so Transistor doesn't. So I'm really excited to move forward through it. And I got through uh, Final Fantasy Lost Stranger Volume 1, the uh, the manga that you were telling me about uh, forever and a day ago. Uh, I think that that is a terribly interesting concept uh, where they fall into the uh, Final Fantasy world. and um, But it's not quite a Final Fantasy world, which is weird because like it is, but things are different from this guy who works at Square Enix and has uh, like there are things that are different and spells that don't exist and like... Uh, like that are that are supposedly part of the of fairy tale stories that uh, that even people like they that use magic can't do it and uh, like that's really interesting and then it really surprised me with a plot development that uh, really started driving the narrative forward. I didn't think something that happened uh, would have even was even in the cards. So uh, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but it is really, really good. I'm uh, going to buy the next volume of it when I finish the next two volumes of Dragon Quest that I've got coming in. Uh, Dragon Quest Monsters Plus manga. Um, it's really neat. 
Yeah, I like that one a lot. I liked Lost Stranger. And I think last week you were like, oh, yeah, it's like the world of Final Fantasy 14. And I just kept my mouth shut because yeah. it feels like that until suddenly it doesn't. And then you realize it's very different, but also Final Fantasy. Uh, so I'm yeah. glad that you got to that part and that you liked it because I love yeah, that I, twist, too. Yeah, the twist and everything was just super odd i guess that's the best way to put it that uh it was not something that was expected the way that they did it but i really really liked it so that got me in the mood to read manga and so i downloaded some apps last night and i downloaded the manga plus app on the iphone and i found one called the promised neverland and it is really good it hooked me in the first issue of it the first chapter and i'm totally going to read all of this uh because holy cow is it good like it's i I don't even know it's about orphans that are in an orphanage and so i didn't think that they're like it was really pretty art and so i'm looking at it i'm like yeah this is cool and i'm reading it and then i i get to a plot point and i'm like eh, i'm not sure if i'm gonna end up reading this this kind of slice of life thing's not really what i'm looking for right now then it had su- it, it revealed one small detail i'm like oh this isn't a slice of life thing like i thought it was then they revealed another one so i kept reading and i'm like oh why are they not supposed to go to the gate at the uh or uh, go out of the fence in the yard and so i keep reading and then uh, by the end of the issue i'm like i don't have any idea what's going on but i'm gonna read all of this and then ninja boy told me today when i posted something in slack that uh, they literally just finished this week so the entire story is out and uh, they have an anime season so far and he said in all caps that it is amazing so i am totally going to uh, check out the promised neverland uh because it's really cool you should Sweet. check it out i want to know what you think about the first chapter of it because i don't something happens where i think you're going to put it down and be like nope not going to do it <laughs> but i'm really really interested in if you're if it's engaging enough to you to move past that like it is for me because it feels like a mix of a few different kinds of uh like science fiction that i've read and uh, has have you read um extras and specials uh by scott westerfeld no uglies was the first one uglies was the first in the series nope really good books you should check those as as well add those to your list of a young adult uh sci-fi that you like you might like uglies um but it reminds me a lot of that for some reason and i'm uh like really enjoying it so i'm looking forward to tonight to reading more of it sweet well i have new things to add to the list which is always good um for me this week i i got back into hitman 2 i mean i never really stopped playing it i've been playing it a bunch for the last few months during this pandemic time because i got back to it and i remembered how amazing this game is and how much i love it so i like dip my toes into the like the legacy pack which is all the hitman one levels um and i i played through the training facility um of that first game again and then I 100%ed it because I was like, oh, yeah, oh. this is actually really quick because it's such a smaller level that's contained in a much smaller area. Um, and I was like, oh, I bet I could blast through this because I've done it in the past already. Um, and so I did. That only took me like a night, maybe two. Um, it was really quick to knock out 100% on that level. And then um, there, just looking back through all of the levels from the first game, I was like, oh, I love that level. Oh, I love that level, too. So. <laughs> 
I downloaded all of them. I haven't gotten back to them yet, but I'm going to. Like now I have the intention, whereas before it was just kind of a nebulous thought. And I'm like, no, I really, I do want to go play back and play Paris. And I want to play Sapienza again. And like, there are really good levels in the first one, just like there are in the second one. Um, but what I did was I, I dug in deeper on the main Hitman 2 levels. So like the second game's levels. And I finally got my head around Arc Society, which was... I think the one that kind of like stuck out as I never really understood what it was doing. I mean, I understood the broad strokes. I beat the game, obviously. Right. I didn't have my head around like how how the level was constructed and like intertwined. Um, And that always takes time to get like a mastery of it. But sometimes it comes together in my head faster than others. And this one has taken me more time than any other. And I don't know if I love this level um, but it's definitely interesting. Like I, I spent a few days on it, just like multiple, multiple days just on this level. Um, and it's really complicated and it's hard to read at a glance. Whereas some of my favorite ones, it's really easy just like at a glance to understand the level layout and like what areas are on limits or off limits or like, oh, if I get this kind of disguise, I might be able to get into this area. Whereas uh, this one yeah. took me a lot longer. Um, but once I got my head around it, it is a very smart iteration on complication because there's so many intertwining things. Um, it's maybe just a little overdone, but I am almost at 100% on it, so maybe I'll push through. But I, I kind of started burning out on that level, so I jumped over to the expansion pass, and I played the New York City level, the bank, and I think I 100% of that last night. Like, I am playing through this game. Like I, You are blowing through it. Holy cow. Yeah, I love this game it's it's so good and playing it a bunch again has made me think about it again um and actually like put some thought into why i like it as much as i do and i went back and i watched the no clip documentaries about hitman because for some reason i hadn't watched those um they just fallen off my radar and they talk about like Hitman 1 versus Hitman 2 and how they iterated and what, you know, they tried different like business models. Like S- season one was a series of episodes they released where it was like every level came out and then there was space between them. Whereas yeah. Hitman 2, they just released the whole thing at one time. And um, it, listening to them talk about like they call it the World of Assassination trilogy. And hmm. so Hitman 3 got announced last week. And so it's yep. just it all tied together in my mind, right? So now I'm super pumped for Hitman 3, which is going to come out in January. So it's not that far away. And it's going to import everything from 1 and 2. And it's going to be just this platform that has all the levels in it, which it it's just going to be amazing. And when I saw that, I was watching that stream, the PS5 announcement stream, and I immediately, like while I was watching, I'd missed most of the actual gameplay of uh, Hitman 3 because I was texting you about it because I wanted you to know that it existed so much that uh, it, from what I saw, it looks really, really cool. Uh, but I was like, I'm so glad that that's coming out so that you get like basically an ultra super mega happy fun time definitive edition of uh, Hitman uh, when that's released. Yeah, and everybody else will too, right? Like, you could pick up Hitman 3 and then download all of the old levels. Like, I'm sure they'll do expansion passes just like they did for this, where you can pick all those up. Um, But I think where I'm ultimately landing on it is that Hitman is my favorite puzzle game ever made. (laughs) And that was an interesting conclusion to come to, that it's... I like the execution in it, 
and the action is interesting and the skin of the game being like this world of assassination is kind of fascinating but none of those other pieces are truly what keep bringing me back over and over the thing that brings me back is the puzzle element and understanding how this complicated system comes together and then i have to solve a puzzle in that system and that is why i love the game it is a puzzle game for me (laughs) and I, I was explaining that to my wife and then my daughter heard me and she's like, wait, isn't that like a killing game? And I was like, well, kind of, but no, not really. Like, that's not why I'm playing it. Um, and just trying to like explain to them why I like it so much really reinforced the fact that to me, this Hitman World of Assassination trilogy is my favorite puzzle game ever made. And it's so weird to me to think about it that way. But after playing it, you know, you sent me episode one of the original. And after playing it for a while, it's absolutely accurate on how you look at the game. Like you are figuring out the pieces to move from move this piece to that place to make sure that everything lines up to accomplish those goals. It's really, you know, in in concept, not any different than any other kind of puzzle game where you're arranging pieces. Yeah, and then once you start to get the mastery of a particular level, being able to do things that... Looking at a challenge, right, and being like, how would I ever do that? And then coming back to that challenge 20 hours later, once you have such knowledge of that level, and you look at it and you go, oh, I bet I know how to do that. Let me try. And then you do it and you execute it. There's just like the feeling of that is amazing. I I love it. Um, So yeah, I'm still playing Hitman. I still haven't even touched the last level in the dlc because i'm enjoying digging into each individual level so much which is just so not like me um usually i'm the one that blasts through all the content once and then i'm on to the next game but mm-hmm. yeah it, this has been great to dig into so that I'll, I'll have more on that as i play more of those levels and go back to them because i don't see this game getting out of my rotation anytime soon um but the other new game that i wanted to mention that i have been playing is archero and it's a mobile game and okay. it's, uh, how do I describe it? It's like an archery game, but not really. It It's almost a bullet hell dodging shooting game. You have like a virtual joystick and you move your character around on the screen, right? You're holding it portrait mode. Um, and your character, whenever you're moving, they don't shoot. But anytime you stop moving, they will just auto target and shoot the nearest enemy. And so you have to fight your way through like room after room after room of enemies. And so it's kind of this blend of like action game, but made for mobile and like playable with one hand because it's a mobile game, but also bullet hell because you're like dodging the projectiles and the enemies as they come at you. And it's one that I had tried in passing like a year or two ago and I played for five minutes and I was like, this is dumb. I give up. Um, Mm. And then I saw that there was an update for it and it looked slightly different. And I was like, maybe I didn't give this game enough of a chance. And now I'm playing it like every night. Like it's just part of my wind down routine for the night. I don't know how long that will last, but at the moment I'm having a lot of fun with it. So yeah, that one's Archero on iOS. I looked it up as you were describing it, and I don't think it's for me, but it sounds like a really interesting concept with, you know, when you're moving, they're not firing, which is a really interesting way to go about it uh, in terms of just uh, being able to like how you move your character around in bullet hell games in general. Yeah, but it's been super fun. So I've been having fun with that one, too. Um, I think that's probably it for this week. Oh, and then all of these E3 announcements that are... We don't really have E3 this year, but Star Wars Squadrons is coming out. Hitman 3. 
uh, you and I were just talking about this the other day. There's a bunch of other games that we're super psyched for too, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, I am ridiculously excited for the Miles Morales Spider-Man game. I want to play Stray so much because you're a kitty in a city of robots. Like, it's a cyberpunk robot kitty cat game. Like, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to play it, and I'm going to play it a lot. It's kind of like you're a man-eater where you're like, I want to eat people and, like, destroy boats. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I am absolutely going to do that as a kitty cat, except I'm just going to run around and do whatever kitty cats do in alleys. Yeah, like, no, it's, I'll it's, double down it, on that. I can't that. wait. I want to play Stray. I want to play Miles Morales, Spider-Man. I want to play a bunch of the games that got announced at the PS5 reveal event. And then all these other things are leaking out because there's no actual show. So mm-hmm. we're just going to get game announcements for the next like month until like mid-July, until uh, Xbox finally has their big thing. Um, yep. Yeah, Star Wars Squadrons. Like, yes, Rogue Squadron or TIE Fighter or uh, the Battlefront 2, like Starship Battles. Like, I don't know which one it's going to feel more like, but I'm all there for it. Like, I want that game. I'm hoping it feels like Rogue Squadron because like right now I'm looking over and I see Rogue Squadron in my Nintendo 64 right now. Like that's the cart that I've chosen to display in my like retro game display of the 64. Like it is just about the perfect game. Like it's one of my favorites on the system and it's one of my favorite Star Wars games in general. Like it's it's just so good. I'm hoping it plays a lot like it. And like so many of the uh the the PS5 announcement games. Like I'm not terribly excited for uh Ratchet and Clank because I was never a huge fan of it. Like the game looks amazing and I'll definitely uh be playing it at some point, but it's not one that's going to sell the system for me. But I see things like Kena, I guess it was the name of it where it looks kind of like a weird like action RPG that's kind of like Avatar The Last Airbender. I don't know. Which I started this week. I finally, for the first time, started Avatar The Last Airbender with Jennifer. So we've enjoyed the first few episodes of it. Um, But yeah, the the PS5 announcement was full of so many games. I think I'm excited about more of them uh, than I expected to be, but not the really big name ones. Like, I don't care so much about the big name ones. I'm like these little smaller ones that they've announced that I'm uh, more interested in. Yeah, it's an exciting time of year for game hype. So we'll have more of that as it leaks out over the next month, month and a half. Um, But yeah, that's probably it for this week. You guys can find us all over the internet. Um, You can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack, Reddit, and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, make sure to check out all the other content on the network, like blogs and video game reviews and a lot more. Uh, I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast, where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beige. That's Beige with two E's. And I also co-host the Dragon Quest FM podcast, show about the Square Enix RPG series. We've been Void and Beige with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, y'all. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the Geek2Geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. 
Things like video games, Star Wars, comics, movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep, and each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes, Keanu.